Good day, Milan fans, inhabitants of San Siro's hell and all the afflicted, injured and so on. <laughs> it's been a tough week for us and the devil is suffering, but let's talk about everything that happened. Uh, today with me is uh, our constant guest, Andre. Andre, good day. Good day, guys. Uh, good day, Alan. How are you doing? Yeah. Doing all right, uh, much much better than uh, those in Milan lab. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's frustrating, honestly. <clears throat> but we will talk about this a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it would be great if you if you start with the overview of Verona game, and that was a corner corner stone game for us because it was pretty important to to win that game, but. Let's let's talk about this in all details. What was what was your feeling about this game? How how did it how did it go? Well, the game was different, uh, as you know. The first half wasn't the second half. It was two different Milan's. Uh, well, unfortunately, we we should watch the both both half and the first half. Uh, whether I didn't see Milan, honestly, which I used to see, and in the second half I saw Milan, which I used to see, which is. Which is great. We achieved a good result. The win is a win. Three points is three points. Doesn't matter. Uh, well, <clears throat> the takeaway from this game is uh, really we don't have enough depth in the squad, and we will talk about this later because we have a lot mm -hmm. of problem in several positions on the field, and likely the guy of Samu Castellejo, which we didn't expect him to show up and uh, show some good games. In a Milan's jersey anymore. Uh, it's good that he stepped up, and well, I would not say that he uh, was a, the key to bring a result, the positive result for us. He, not even one point, but three points. Yeah, but he provided some good quality passing, and uh, the movement him on on the ball, with the ball, and off the ball. But <clears throat> well, it's a that's a. A good topic to discuss uh, the injuries, but we will be we decided we will come up a little bit later. The first half, uh, I think that there was a kind of luck for Verona that mm -hmm. they uh, they scored two goals because the first goal. Well, those those things happen. I would not blame the AC Milan defense, uh, not Calabria and uh, not Kiaer and Tomori. Uh, surely. Those passes, those bounces, bounces happen, and you know, and uh, Tatarushano, I think, I think, and when when we consider the first goal, he should do better. I think if it was uh, Milan defending our goalie, that uh, the goal wouldn't happen because, as you know, the the shot was not so great from from a striker from a Verona player, but somehow. The goal went to the net. The ball went to the net. Sorry, and um, there was one zero. And the second goal, uh, there's still to be discussed. But, hold on, one. hold on. I, I wanted actually to stop on the first goal because I have someone to blame, to blame for that to happen. And to me, and I've watched. So just just a bit of preamble is I watched that game uh, much much later, much later than the game against Porto, and I was really analyzing on the. Behavior of players and their uh, movements, and so I think that the major blame of that of that goal to happen was on Ismail Benasser, and it's not 
nothing's wrong with you know trying to be everywhere and trying to win all the balls. But exactly at that situation, he made that that run and he jumped, and that's that actually confused all of the players and confused the whole configuration of of the players and the ball and the pitch, and, and hence the goal. And you know sometimes you don't need to to just try to be everywhere because that's what happens. So stupid things, stupid like ball uh, deflections, they ha- happen. And so Benacer, he did it quite like many times during this game. He was playing a risky uh, game. He, he was trying to win the balls in risky situations. He was losing the balls in risky situations. And definitely one or two chances like that happen because of this style. What do you think about it? Well, you have to understand, uh, Alan, that... <clears throat> When one being uh, with Maldini, honestly, on a pitch, you know, automatically one man down in the midfield. Because this is a different subject to talk. I'm very disappointed, as my personal opinion, of Daniel and Daniel Maldini. Well, we've been discussed in our forum um, his performance recently and his form and his abilities. And the guys told me, uh, I, well, I say, I said that. He is not capable to be in a Syria team. He should move down and go on loan to Syria B, for instance. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Syria our team, but somewhere in uh, the, the teams like Salernitana. He should understand, actually, and he should learn the basics of the, of the game, the movement, uh, because he doesn't see it. You know, he doesn't understand where to be. Uh, it's not regarding the AC Milan style, but actually, he... He's an AC Milan roster for so many months and even years. So he he's with the first squad on the practice. So he should already. Yeah, what you're saying, he should have known better. Yeah, yeah, yeah and surely, and doesn't matter who it was at Chalanoglu in the past or years, they come down and they play like sometimes like defensive midfielders. This is AC Milan style because AC Milan playing only with two defensive midfielders and it's not so uh, great you know when it comes coming to the defensive side and the show they should get some support but no support was provided by Maldini unfortunately he was nowhere in an attacking side and he was nowhere in a defensive side you know and this is this is a disappointment point for me because uh, I expected more from the 20, 20, 20 years ago, uh, years old guy. You know, he should probably uh, take his minutes on the, on on the pitch more seriously and start to prove that he's worth something. Uh, about Benesser, this is his style. I would not blame him that much because uh, you know some um, some duels he really he's winning and winning good. Some of them he loses. You know that's why. There should be more concentration from all the players around to provide some backup. That's right. Loses. Okay, but it happened like it happened, you know. Those goals happened. You you can't actually stay away from the goals conceded on a 38-game streak, for example, in Syria. You can't do this. Some of, some of the goals will come to your net. But, it, you know, it's better, it's better to score more than an opponent. It's like a Brazilian national team style, you know. You score how many you can, and we score how many we want. Uh, this <coughs> and Verona is not so. It's not an easy, easy team to be honest. Yeah, it's a tough uh, nut, right? 
what we remember from the last season and 2-2 two -two draw. Juric is not there anymore, but looks like, you know, the, the poor, they lost, <laughs> yeah. lost the Zakani, they sold him to Lazio, but still. And Di Marco as well, to Inter. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, still that's a tough Marco. team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, still a tough team. And Tudor doing a good job on it, I think. They they bet Roma 3-2 on Stadio Olimpico. On actually, okay, this is not about Roma. Roma lost 6-1 to Budeglimt <laughs> recently, but doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, they can That's Roma they style. Can. Yeah, and now, okay, let's finish with the first goal. It doesn't matter, but the thing is, how did Mil AC Milan react on this on this goal? It was a little bit strange because I saw only Rebic wanted to change the situation back to normal, at least to equalize. And there was no support for Rebic, not because somebody didn't want to play, because those players like Maldini and Giroud, I keep saying this one, they are not for AC Milan style and they are not capable to play for AC Milan. It even doesn't matter that Giroud scored the goal. Uh, doesn't make a point. His style of play is not for AC Milan systems. Yeah, he, he's a, he, he looks a bit of a foreign body in Milan system. Uh, obviously, he has a lot of talent and class, but, but still he feels, like, he feels like a foreign body. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can understand actually uh, why does it happen because it, it's already, it, it can be an excuse when it's beginning of the season, the first couple of games, but we are we are passing the third. Uh, I mean, we played eight games. Uh, okay, it's not so. The, the quarter of the season already passed, honestly. And uh, the guy performed in the train and he should understand probably more that he should change his personal style to be more adapted to the team style. Well, I see Giroud is a good target man, for example, and uh, he's capable to do many things. You know, he is good you know, to win aerial duels and he provided a good score against uh, Verona. Uh, was a good was a good shot and he did good also in, in some of them against Porto but uh, I I see a lack of movement for him you know he uh, the players that the players the other players don't understand what's Giroud gonna do next and Giroud doesn't understand where the ball will come next and playing this target man is not a similar style and I'm totally against it but then at the uh, same the time, it, 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 just uh, on this point, if you think about uh, other players that started to play in Milan's system, it usually in Pioli's system, it usually happens that they take a considerable, considerable amount of time, like six plus months to get into. Uh, it really happened with pretty much everyone, I remember. I remember Kessie and Chalhanaglu in the beginning, and Calabria, then um, who else was there? Um, well, Ibrahimovic and Kiara are exceptions. Liao, he wasn't that good. Now he's better and better. Selimaker is the same. So maybe if we give another three months, Giroud could demonstrate something. I don't think so, because um, the Piola system actually requires the good physical shape of, and to be in, in that shape for 90 minutes. It's high-pressing, high-pressing ball, high-pressing system. And um, even... When even when you're on the ball, with the the ball you know, belongs to the team. The same Milan, uh, the player should play good and provide a good position of of the ball. 
you know, <clears throat> what's the difference was with the second half? The two key substitutions that were made in the, in halftime. Kronich and Castellejo. And I would not say that <clears throat> Castellejo provided by his, his play. Okay. He made a, he actually got a penalty. He, he was in a good position in the, in the penalty area. And it was a foul. It was a clear foul. And the penalty was zero. It was right. And, uh, okay. By his pass, there was an out goal by defender, but by Verona defender. Okay. Yeah. Looks good. But the thing is, the key was a Kronich. Because Krunic was uh, that essential spot that everything was combined all in one. Because as you might say in the first half when you watched the game, we didn't have some somebody in a central midfielder, central attacking midfielder who would actually tie both flanks. Yeah, yeah, that's had, right. We had mm-hmm. Salah makers on the right. Okay, he was not in a good he's not in a good shape, okay, but still something. We had Leao. But those two, there was no guy who would step up somewhere in between, between the lines, you know. Somewhere who provided the good spot, the third spot, to build the triangles. Because AC Milan style, same as Atalanta style, actually, they play they play quite yeah, similar. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they like triangles. Triangles in the attack, when one player has at minimum two options to pass the ball so either it's a left or right, and no, and uh, or maybe or maybe make an, or find another direction. But he should have uh, more than one direction to pass the ball. We didn't see this one in the first half because the lack of our central attacking midfielder, the guy who actually who he should uh, combine all the directions in one and provide the extra extra variation of the passing from anybody in you know, attacking attacking third doesn't matter who is one salamakers uh, tonali uh, doesn't matter leao even Giroud. uh the kronich had a really good game in that position and uh, he really was good in forwarding the ball to somebody else you know understanding where attack should go through and uh yeah we we saw totally different Milan in the second squad. Liao Liao actually found more than one uh, direction of the passing because, and this is more important because it looks like Liao doesn't like Balotelli. He doesn't see him. When I saw being watching two games constantly back to back, and I said when Balotelli started as a left uh, left defender because of Theo had has Corona. Coronavirus. Well, I see that Liao is ignoring him in majority of situation because probably he that doesn't understand that uh, there, there should not be any uh, positive result when Balotelli gets involved. It should not be a good cross. Maybe mm-hmm. he understands it. Well, this guy is not capable of it. Yeah. Interesting, interesting point of view uh, you just provided on Krunic. Um, I, I do think that, yeah, that was really important to have those two substitutes so that when Radek Runich and Samo Castellejo went instead of uh, Maldini and uh, Salimakers, then, yeah, the connection, all the attacking style and the pressure started, really did improve. But um, I saw more of Castellejo and Liao. I haven't paid that much attention to Krunic, but you might be right here. Yeah. I remember he was doing a very simple function. He was just passing the ball from 
that side to another side, and he's been keeping pressuring Verona's players. But that's probably exactly what you wanted to have from the uh, attacking midfield in that situation when your team is 0-2 down. You just want to simplify all the functions. You just want to deliver the ball to all of those creators and then, and then, yeah, have three goals. But at the same time, what I wanted to stress on was Liao's performance. It's a pure class. The first goal to Giroud was just pure Liao. And, you know, he's always with a smile on his face during the game. But at that, at that particular moment where he dribbled couple of times to make that cross in Giroud, his, his uh, smile disappeared. He was actually in work. And I really enjoyed to see that. He's working towards become a star, become a really, really top player. And I really like it that he is providing the result. And then if we're talking about the penalty on Castillejo, that was Liao's genius as well. And Castillejo's. It's like 50-50 to me. Because that, that pass, that Liao's pass uh, on the direction to Castillejo, probably it, it was like a heel pass, right? And it was excellent, amazing, yeah, simple yeah. and effective. Yeah. No, it was not a heel, okay, but not, yeah. It was, it was, it, it, Liao was good. Unfortunately, he was not that good the game on the next follow-up game against Porto. Yeah, he was. But, but okay. Those games, those games also happen. Yeah. Well, uh, finalizing the the first uh, the first overview of the first game, Verona mm, good result on the San Siro. We're still unbeaten in Syria, uh, uh, and another record. Another two record has been beaten: one positive, one negative, because Milan never, ever started as good as we do now. After the eight fixtures of Syria, we have seven wins and one draw, which is an amazing result. And unfortunately, Napoli is doing better than us. <laughs> but I think this is a subject to be uh, to be changed because, I don't know, this is the easiest start Napoli could ever get. Because after eight games in Syria, they had only one serious opponent to play against, and that's what Juventus. And that was that Juventus. Juventus in a bad form, in a bad shape, and what that that was a home game for Napoli, and they got a victory over there. We are. I'm still waiting when they will play against Lazio and Roma and uh, and Milan. Inter, and Inter, Atalanta, Atalanta, yeah, Fiorentina. No, no, Fiorentina. They won against. Uh, those games will happen, and we will see real Napoli. Well, I'm, uh, well, I think they will drop points and drop points. Uh, I'm but uh, really, much. regardless this, uh, it's just pleasant to see that we've got eight points uh, from the fifth place. And I, I really want to just to make sure that we'll uh, reserve that top four spot and we'll qualify for the next Champions League because that will then um, make a steady progress towards become a top. And uh, yeah, so much want this to happen. And this is a subject also to, to discuss. Do you, uh, let me ask you: Do you do you expect Scudetto this season, or actually, do you want Scudetto this season? Uh, I always want Scudetto, <laughs> regardless of seasons. That's that's the main goal. Uh, I'm not sure 
uh, if I expect, I don't expect that as in, I don't demand Milan players to win Scudetto, but I might expect that from the course of the season. So it's like, you know, it's possible. All of those situations and Milan is pretty experienced now, even though it's still young, it's still, ex- it's also experienced. Uh, this win against Verona, where everything was, you know, not in our favor in the first half, actually costs a lot and worth a lot. So I think it's possible Milan is going to win, but I guess now um, it's a bit um, premature to talk about that since we've got so many injuries. But um, if we are to switch our attention to Champions League, it's a disaster, right? Three, three defeats. And uh, do you, what do you think? Like what happened against Porto? I understand that what happened against Atletico and Liverpool. Milan actually played really well and um, deserved a win against Atletico. Uh, did not deserve a win against Liverpool, but it was an excellent um, game in like 20 minutes. It was a horrible game uh, all the other times, but still was a good fight. What happened against Porto? Wasn't that good, right? Uh, <clears throat> I didn't expect any result from going to Porto because we... Ah, come on. We, we have a lack of three key players. And uh, we went to Porto, to Dragao Stadium, which was full. I don't know how they're doing in Portugal with pandemia, but okay, the stadium was full. And uh, Porto, well, we should, you know, we should consider a Porto uh, as a as a good solid team, uh, probably on a, a on Milan level and maybe even higher because Porto first Porto. Uh, doesn't have any problem with injuries. Second, Porto had a decent rest uh, in a midweek. Um, uh, sorry, on a weekend because they played the cup game. They didn't play a league game, and they provided the rest, uh, the rest to their key players. Okay, and they were good rested. Third, there was a home game for them, and uh, finally, this is experienced team, to be honest, and they are much more experienced playing in Champions League than AC Milan. And they come regularly to the knockout stage for the playoffs, which we actually can cannot even dream about this one right now. So this season in Champions League, <clears throat> well, for me, I would say that uh, this is could be good preparation for the following seasons. You know, I would not ask much about from Pioli and from AC Milan this season because this is a really we have a really tough opponent. This is the the worst, probably the worst group we could ever be in because we are we coming from the fourth, you know, from the fourth seed, and the third was Porto, and that's probably the worst opponent we could ever met. You know, from the basket, uh, when it when it went to the draw, okay, Atletico Madrid is more or less okay, and a Liverpool, okay, we could do better. We could take Villarreal, for example, or we could go with uh, Lille, which were in the first basket, okay. But the, the uh, Branislav Ivanovic, I guess, okay, he pulled Liverpool for us. Doesn't matter. Even 
in it's in, you know this season maybe it's even better that we are playing against tough opponents a tough opponents because we uh, we're still learning we're still learning how to play and uh in champions league and uh, this should be good preparation for for next season and uh, I, I can remind you atalanta they they actually lost their uh, first three games in Champions League. Okay, they didn't have that tough group as we have now. But then it came three victories in a row. And they went to the knockout stage. And uh, the follow-up season, they went to the knockout stage. And they had a, a really good uh, good performance in the Champions League. So most likely they got experience in the first season. And they provided this experience, transformed this one in equality and then the next season. And uh, the same I'm expecting from AC Milan. I said, I don't expect any result in AC Milan from this Champions League. And even if we finish the, uh, the last and our group after the six games, I will not be disappointed. I'm mm -hmm. waiting for the future, you know, from these players. I'm not waiting anything from them now. And then and then another thing, you know, there is all... I find excuses, and those excuses are good because the first game against Liverpool, we played against machine. We played against super motivated Liverpool on Anfield, and we we could we actually we we scored two goals against them. That was a good game. It was the first game. The second game we were good. We we talked about you this one. I don't feel any shame in a game against Atletico, really. AC Milan was good, and this yeah. is uh, the Turkish, Turkish referee who actually destroyed the game for us, you know. Uh, I feel no shame. And the third game against Port, I feel no shame either, because, okay, we we missed three key players, which is left defender Theo Hernandez, who is modern left defender. Honestly, he has a probably unique style. And now French international team, they do understand that they, there was a mistake not inviting him, not bringing him to national team. Because in the two games, Theo Hernandez scored the decisive goal. He provided a victory against uh, Spain. Yeah, Belgium. Now Belgium. Against Belgium. And yeah. in the final, in the final, he made an assist. So, wow. Yeah. Uh, it's more than expected from uh, Deschamps, uh, from uh, his left defender. And I think Deschamps is very pleased with his performances now. I think Theo Hernandez is guaranteed his spot in, uh, his spot in, um, in maybe even starting spot with the French national team. We were missing uh, Diaz. And we, now we understand why, with, uh, because the guy is more than good in his position. And we were missing Rebage, which is very important, very valuable player in our attacking system and especially in our high pressing system. Because Rebage can do everything. He can be on the left flank, he can go on the right flank and provide an assist from there. He can play in a, at the central central attacker, central forward. Sometimes not as good maybe on aerial duels, Giroud, but okay, he provides some movement. All right. And um, we were missing those three key guys. and. Come on, what to expect? Andre, Andre, I think it's even more than those three guys. I think that um, what we were missing in this game were also Minyan. And Mike Minyan, the same as you mentioned about Theo Hernandez, he was more than a goalkeeper for us in the first games of the season because, uh, you know, his uh, game with uh, how he uses his legs is amazing and he creates those chances and he knows where to pass and how to start the attack. That was really important. And, uh, you know, 
Tatarashana is lacking this a bit, even though he, he played decently just um, just for this main function of goalkeeping and, and saving goals. And another guy we missed was uh, Frank Kessier, right? The one who got sent um, sent off by Checker. And even though, you know, Kessier um, didn't play that well in the, in the first games, now, and what you can see from the game against Verona, he's getting back and he's becoming more and more important for Milan. He definitely would provide us muscles and, um, you know, stability that, that it was much needed in the game. So, yeah, if to think about that, we kind of were losing five uh, key players and that's too much. That's too much against that Porto that was... You know that that Porto that uh, win over that won over uh, Juventus last season, and yeah, but you know what? Uh, I really really like the way you mentioned how Atalanta started to play in Champions League. I completely forgot about that, but that's true. They they started with three defeats and then they won the next three games. That's that's a really nice example and. Another thing is, I also don't expect anything from from Milan players, and it's a it's a really nice um, you know set of young and experienced players. I just enjoy watching those games, but never say never. You never know what's gonna happen in those three games. Actually, the calendar is in our favor if we can say so, just because the next game, what next game we're playing against Porto and San Siro. Let's let's just imagine we win that and Liverpool wins over Atletico. Then we have Liverpool with what twelve points, Atletico and Porto with four, and Milan with three. And we've got two more games. And the next one against Atletico, and the last game against Liverpool on San Siro and against not motivated Liverpool. So yeah, we still have chances, but without even talking about chances, risks, analysis, and all of this. I just enjoy it, and I'm so I'm so glad that Milan is back in Champions League. Every time I'm I'm watching Champions League games, I'm watching ten minutes prior, just to see everything, just to remember everything. I remember uh, when I was you know young and uh, I was watching Milan games in two thousand three, two thousand four years. Every game it was so special to me. I still remember how commentators were talking about this game against PSV Eindhoven in 2005 in semi-final. Even before that, I remember commentators talking about that. And so the same kind of feeling I have now, which is so good. Yeah, I, and look, I just want to I totally agree with you. Okay, let's talk about <clears throat> Atalanta. Their first season in the Champions League, they where they came from the fourth, fourth basket, yeah, surely, because they couldn't do it better. Their opponent were Manchester City, Shakhtar Donetsk, and Dinamo Zagreb. Well, you know, okay, I remember that season because Shakhtar Donetsk, yeah, I'm following this team. But they actually, they advanced to the knockout first stage, having seven, seven points. Okay, Milan even can, Milan even could, can do better because Atalanta finished up with two wins, one draw, and three losses. Three losses came in from the first three match days. Okay, goal scored eight, goals conceded 
12. So they finished with minus four. Okay, but they have they had Manchester City. So imagine Atalanta having only seven points overtook Shakhtar Donetsk and Dinamo Zagreb. I wish, actually, I really wish AC Milan would have the Shakhtar Donetsk and Dinamo Zagreb on the opponent. Probably we would see a different result. They they finished the second and then uh, well coming to Dinamo Zagreb destroyed Atalanta in the first game in Zagreb 4-0. Then the home game against Shakhtar Donetsk. I remember that game. I watched it. Atalanta lost 1-2. Then Manchester City totally smashed Atalanta 5-1 in Manchester and Etihad Stadium. Then they played the draw against Manchester City 1-1. Then they bat Dinamo Zagreb and very important win in Ukraine 3-0. They smashed Shakhtar Donetsk. I remember that, that game also. And then came into uh, round of 16. Ah, come on. They bat Valencia. They also got lucky because they got Valencia 4-1 uh, in a home game and actually won the away game. Three. I remember Benefice of Elicic yeah, in yeah. those games. You remember? Yeah. He was yeah. beast. Yeah. And then it was yeah, Pandemia, yeah, which actually stopped and they changed the regulation of and there was no college quarterfinals, only one game. In Lisbon, Paris Saint-Germain defeated Atalanta 1-2. Okay, that was the debut season for Atalanta. And then we go into the next follow-up season. We fin They finished second and with 11 points. And they had Liverpool, Ajax, and mid mid the two land. The, uh, the, it's from Denmark. Come on, the first game they won. This uh, I can I cannot sorry I cannot spell this uh, correctly. This uh, this uh, okay. The team from Denmark four zero against Midland. Midland. All right. Then the draw against Ajax in Italy. Then they lost to Liverpool. In Italy, 0-5. Then they won Liverpool on Anfield, 2-0. They draw against Midtjylland. The home game against Midtjylland, they draw. And the away game, uh, away victory against Ajax. So, 11 points. And they had once the knockout stage, which they lost to Real Madrid. I also remember that game. I was. So, we are talking about AC Milan now. I wish... I wish AC Milan would get those opponents in their group, but it never happened. You know, Atletico Madrid, Porto, and Liverpool, that is the group of death. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, like maybe it's a good chance to, you know, to, to learn, to learn much more, and then the next season will perform better. Especially if we go for all in, if we go all in and win Scudetto, just for instance, the next yeah. season we start from the first basket and we should be seen in the first basket and we should get much weaker opponents than we have now. All right, uh, let me ask you, coming to the next, let me ask you, when we haven't so many injured players, uh, the only exclusion is uh, Theo Hernandez and uh, Diaz, which they had Corona. Who would you blame for this? Because this is, uh, for me, this is unnormal. Yeah. Who do you blame? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I tend I tend to blame Milan Lab or knowing Pioli's uh, style. And Milan Lab, I'm, I'm sorry, Milan Lab doesn't exist anymore. To be true, 
because I mean, <laughs> right. real, yeah, it's really it's ended up with Ancelotti. So after this, they made a reformation, and it's normal, it's normal, usual, whatever is it called, uh, medical stuff, which more or less right. every team every team has. Milan Lab doesn't exist anymore. Okay, okay. Then I'll blame whoever is replacing Milan Lab and those physiotherapists um, and those. Um, coaches that look over physical conditions because as as we all know and Pioli knows for sure his style is all about um, physical conditions and it's important for him to, to get fit players so what it what it means it, it means that um, if there is a lot of physics involved and a lot of intensity it means that there is a increased risk of getting the physical conditions problems and getting muscle problems. So let's just separate those injuries into two buckets. The first bucket is all the injuries that you know happen because of the collisions or some kind of um, luck is there. So if those players were unlucky enough to get that, we can't really do anything. Or if there is, you know, like was, like for example, in the case with Min Yan, he injured his, his hand well, it's just bad luck. It can happen everywhere and with anyone. We can't um, prevent those situations. But then there is a second bucket, which is about the muscle injuries. And that is the most important one. And that's exactly something that can be controlled by a very good process of getting players fit. The very physiotherapy um, process needs to be a very thorough, especially for Milan conditions. And that's not, that's not happening. We can see that from the very beginning, we've got so many players going in and out um, just because of the muscle injuries. Uh, lastly, now we don't have that many. It's just Messias um, and Pellegre again. Something happened with this poor poor guy. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that was, happened... That was expected. That was expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> another thing that happened uh, with Giroud... Uh, also was some kind of a muscle problem, right? Then with Kronich, why Kronich? He was so fit in the very beginning, and then that injury also broke his his uh, conditions a bit. Then with Benacer, it happens the same. Kessier's story is a bit different, just because he was already tired because of that stupid Olympics. And... Um, um, and contract maybe somehow influenced, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, that's already a lot, right? And it shouldn't really happen the way it happened. So I think that major blame is on on the physical stuff of Milan. What do you think? I totally agree with you that this, uh, something should be changed. Well, it's just a, you know, uh, how to say this is the, the the big dilemma. Okay, first of all, we know where the team is. We are unbeaten in Syria. We are still, we keep to provide some good results and really good results. Uh, we win in games, which is good. And uh, probably maybe that physical demand from Pioli and what he does in the training and uh, in the game, Probably that is a system which 
takes a maximum from the player abilities. What happens if Pioli understands that that's kind of mistake and he lows down this demand for the training? Okay, what happens if we we decrease our demand of intensity, physical intensity in game? I don't know. I don't have an answer to this question. Uh, would we see the lack of performance, the lack of system, you know, regarding to the player abilities? Because now they're playing good, probably more, probably more because of the system than to their personal abilities, excluding the players like Liao, for example, and Theo Hernandez and Diaz. I don't know. What happens if management will have a discussion with Pioli and say, look, Stefano, we are ready to bring you more quality players to the squad. Okay, we are ready to splash the cash and bring some really good players for your first 11 and for the backup. But then you, at the same time, you low down your demand and you you keep winning the games more, the, more because of the quality of the players, to the individuals, than to your system. I don't know if they will happen either. So this is a dilemma from for me. Uh, or this is option number three. They will say, okay, we will bring you another twenty-five solomakers, and you do whatever you want. You know, okay, you have, yeah, you have one guy injured. Doesn't matter. You have two more, <laughs> for example, in the position. But at the same time, I know the. It's limited to only 25 players to registration, and some of the spots should be with the guys like Daniele Daniel Maldini because he is a he's a Grovi, a Similan Grovi. We can't be without him. Um, so we have Calabria, Gabia, and him, and somebody else. I think. But uh, uh, sorry, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have to. to yeah. To be go fair, ahead, to be fair, I, th I think it it pays out. So you know we are first, uh, okay, second in Serie A, but with the best start, we're actually dealing with the situations in the best way possible. So I guess it, it pays out. We need to keep going like that with high intensity. You know, going just crazily, stupidly young and uh, hung, um, you know, full of hunger for for games. So I guess yeah, that's okay. Um, as long as we have young roster of players and those players are going to be um, recovered from injuries pretty quickly and then go again to fight. Uh, but yeah, first season it was coincidence, second season now it's tendency, right? Let, let's see from the next season um, if anyone's gonna learn some mistakes from it. Because if we want to have success in both Serie A and Champions League, we need to solve that problem. Surely, surely, the changes will happen, and then, um, I don't. I know you. I don't have much time anymore, and I guess you too. Let's come to the next topic, which is mm -hmm. uh, well. I promised that on the last podcast that I will make some review of Lorenzo Luca, the possible signing for AC Milan. Uh, well, I watched a couple of games, Pisa, and I watched the extended highlights. You know, what I can say about this guy is I don't think that this guy is capable for a similar system because he's a pure target man. He is a 2 meter, 1 centimeter, 2.01 tall, 
which is is a good a good target man but i don't think that this guy is capable to provide good quality to a similar system because it requires the mobility of the single striker uh, i think we should step away from playing this target man like Giroud ibrahimovic ibrahimovic is quite a quite an exception and the guys like luca luca or luca already call it i don't think he's capable the guy is a right footer uh, so far after eight match days he has uh, six goals and one assist assist is not the assist i would name is a smart assist the guy actually pushed himself in the right flank and passed to the penalty area and uh, his teammates call majority of the goals coming from the header and pisa is using him as a good target man he's taller and physically stronger than any defender that actually comes in uh, on mat that comes in much on the matchup uh, okay this is about subject to moncada now and uh, uh maldini to decide does it really need this guy uh as a replacement for pellegri i would consider him okay it's maybe maybe capable to be the third striker uh but not more than that That's um my personal feeling can i ask a, a question so sure. what about um so you know in sassuolo we have uh raspadori and scamacca and those guys to me are like probably luca is someone who is who we think is similar to those players do you think he's similar and can he play like for example for sassuolo right now and scoring those goals and probably i don't know be better than skamaka or not really well first of all i think skamaka is really overrated and uh, raspadori is uh, underrated to be honest with you because whatever i saw raspadori is a uh, he can do more things than Skamaka, but Skamaka, mm, I think that the reason why he's overrated because he probably uh, the the most promising striker from the from the youth system, uh, and Italy usually good with this one, and giving an advance of credits to the guys like Skamaka, and probably he's getting this those one too. Uh, he's a uh, you know his life appearance was more similar to Balotelli. He's, sometimes he gets some crazy, as far as I know, as the media says, uh, saying to us. He probably yeah, uh, he, he look he can get some minutes, but I think um, uh, this is the subject. Skamaka is more gifted than Luca. Uh, really, really more gifted. Skamaka, Skamaka, in his good games more or less reminds me Jekov, for example, Edin Jekov when he was younger. Mm -hmm. Jekov was good in dribbling too. Jekov, yeah, okay, he looks like a target man for you and for me as well because he's tall. He can do uh, something good when, when it comes to the header, but also Jekov had a really good, decent shot. Uh, he can uh, he could do something on the flank, you know, same like Mamjukic, for example. Not being a solid and pure target man, he was advanced target man, and I don't think that uh, Lorenzo Luca is so far as advanced. He's a pure target man, and we should consider: Do we really need this guy? Because we don't have 
the good wing play as we used to say for example on being with Suso or Chalhana Glue for instance I think for though for, for that system for that Milan Lorenzo Luca would fit fit much much better than now as I keep saying uh, give me three rebages give me three rebages and I will win Scudetto you know definitely sure surely remove Ibrahimovic and Giroud we don't need those type of players we need rebages yeah, honestly or Bilotis um, right so, so it's still, you still keep yeah. your opinion or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe uh, we had a talk on another podcast and Russian podcast about um, who would you like to see the striker and I would say okay give me Rebic and Kutrone they said why Kutrone because I said Kutrone is a, he has uh, he he can provide some good pressing on a defenders and that would help us in Milan now he's very mobile striker you know he I remember when he played for Milan the guy said okay but he didn't, did not provide the quality in finishing I said yeah but Rebic does not do it as well okay Rebic can score some crazy goals but when it comes to you know to be a good finisher this is not about Rebic Rebic is something different and as a backup for Rebic for example that was third striker I, I, I would think that Kutroni would be more capable and he would really help us in Milan now, especially when most of the time one or even two strikers are out when we had only Rebic and Giroud was injured and Ibra was injured. We didn't have a backup, so uh, Pellegrini was uh, officially his third striker, but we all know that he's not capable to do anything on the pitch. You, you cannot count on him. Kutroni, I think, would be totally different and as as Empoli could could deal with Wolverhampton that took him on loan I don't think that it would be any problem for AC Milan to make a deal with Wolverhampton yeah uh, yeah I, I, I see your point actually very logical and appealing logic I, I don't know how, how it would be in fact but yeah I do feel that the strikers that we have now are not really much in Milan style yeah but uh, thanks, Andre, for providing this analysis on uh, Lorenzo Luca. It's uh, always yeah, important, yeah, to to kind of like know better what we are talking about, especially if that guy is, you know, in Syria B and then scoring the goals like a machine. Everyone then is creating this hype around this person and could be too crazy. Um, so thanks for also finding a way to watch those three games in Syria B. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> Yeah, now I know pizza more than than I expected to know. <laughs> to be honest, when now when I promised this one when I started um, uh, to uh, to watch those games, when I put the plan for me, I, well, I well I thought it's uh, uh, most likely I would see something more from Lorenzo Luca. Uh, I didn't know about this guy. Then I went to transfer market and I saw okay, he's two meter, two meter tall. And said, okay, that's probably target man. But okay, let's see who, what, what type of target man is he. And when I watched the watched the games one after another, well, I actually expected to see something more. But the more more minutes I saw, this is the target man, the pure target man. You know, it's not even the poacher. It's more target man than the poacher. So. Probably, uh, honestly, the third game I didn't, didn't want to watch because it was already understandable. His uh, style and his position and his play 
that I said I pushed myself towards the third game and and when while watching it I, well, I said to myself mm, I should not watch it because it's already understandable there's nothing new uh, for those yeah, for those teams who prefer target man, yeah, probably would be a good signing. Maybe uh, well, I would say maybe he's more needed for for Inter than for AC Milan, or maybe Juventus. The, those guys who play with two strikers and they they very good and on the wing play, and they they have a, a wingers who can provide a good crosses to the penalty area. Yeah, probably good, but not for AC Milan. We have, we play differently. And as as far as we keep it was we keep solid makers and we want to keep Liao, I don't think that we will change our game style. And Theo Hernandez as well, because to call him as a good wink left defender, no, it's nothing it's not about him. It's unique. He's left defender and central midfielder and even sometimes a striker. The, that's a unique player now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's actually I really like this this part of the analysis. If we could, uh, you know, occasionally take those players and just analyze those games, would be nice. Uh, ne next time we'll have someone uh, I'm keen to take on and just watch a couple of games of this player and where you know where the shoes of Mancada. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like those one. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good one. And um, so let's maybe stop on, on this and then discuss, uh, cover a few more topics after the game against Bologna. So hopefully we will win that game. Um, and hopefully we'll have more positive news to discuss. But we are prepared and uh, yeah, could be a bit of a black zone for us. A black, you know, a black stripe. But we are prepared. We are a similar. Yeah, we're with Bioli. This is a good place for him with Bioli. Sometimes when the team in worse condition, it's even better for him. We are ready. <laughs> yeah. Not logical, right? Like Not Russia. Logical, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. At this point, thank you very much for listening one hour of our talk. I think we're doing good. Uh, we didn't start yet the platform on our page on social media when probably our listeners could give some feedback, uh, probably ask a question, but this is subject to change. I think we will come up on Twitter or maybe mm -hmm. on a Telegram, which is more useful. Alan, you know more than me. What is yeah, I think Telegram is a good platform. Mm -hmm. Telegram, yeah, it's a good platform when you can subscribe and give your feedback and ask a question and comment on our podcast. Uh, from me, thank you very much for listening. And as usual, Forza Milan. Forza Milan, guys. Let's win the games. See ya. Ciao, ciao.